Hey guys, welcome back to the GOAT podcast. It is Saturday, April the 22nd, and we are looking at a couple of interesting developments today. Let me give you the rumor mill for today. We're not really going to get into much, but a ton of stuff did happen between last night and today. And so, first I want to point out that the Arizona Cardinals have new uniforms and one of them is absolutely dreadful. Uh, Kyler Murray, James Conner, and Zayvon Collins were the cover athletes, if you will, for this new release. Um, and on their home jersey, it's all red, and it just has big old Arizona on the front of it, which looks awful. Then they have an away jersey that's all white and an alternate jersey that's all black. Just way too much information uh, needed for this time of year. I don't really need to see any of that. I don't have to know any of that, but whatever. Secondly, the Cowboys pick up C.D. Lamb's option, so he's going to be in Dallas at least two more seasons. Uh, His fifth-year option was picked up. That is the benefit, if you've just been kind of learning about the NFL draft, the benefit of being a first-round pick you have a fifth-year option that the team can exercise and be able to keep your services for one more year at a reduced cost. Another rumor today is that the Texans are not sold on quarterback at number two. We've been reporting this for a little while now, but there's increasing speculation, according to Adam Schefter, that Houston will draft the best defensive player on its board. Next rumor. Day two of the draft is a soft deadline for the Aaron Rodgers trade. Kind of interesting. Um, I don't really know what to make of that because there is a part of me that thinks that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that is going to be traded no matter what. I'm taking my tie off for those of you that are wondering. Uh, But Aaron Rodgers is going to be traded. We know that. There's, There's no debate. There's no speculation about that at this point. But we haven't heard when the deadline was yet. So I thought that was interesting today to find this deadline. Next rumor is that uh, the Ravens quarterback Tyler Huntley is planning to sign his restricted free agent tender on Monday. Uh, Monday. So no matter what, the Baltimore Ravens should have a quarterback, whether it's Lamar Jackson, some other combination of another guy, or Tyler Huntley. Here is the biggest piece of gossip for today, if you will. The biggest piece of gossip for today is that the Detroit Lions, who we have been saying on this podcast for many, 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 many weeks, we're going to be a team to reckon with this season, are facing quite a big scandal. I don't know how much you know about gambling. Uh, of course, gambling is not something that we endorse on the GOAT podcast because of what the Bible teaches about gambling. It is uh, not a very safe practice to be involved in doing. But something that has happened recently is that the NFL has been touting on almost every commercial, FanDuel, DraftKings, all these types of sites that are gambling sites. And they're trying to get you and I to be enticed into gambling in order to make more money, hopefully. Well, you know... I want you to think about the logic of something real quick. The NFL players are not allowed to gamble 
they're not allowed to gamble on their own games because it's too much of a conflict of interest because obviously a guy could go out there and basically say, well, I'm going to gamble that I'm going to throw, you know, five straight incompletions. And he goes out and he makes that bet and then he does it on purpose and he fixes the game in a certain way. And so for the longest time, gambling in sports, especially your sport, has been prohibitive for players to be involved in doing. And then this broke. That several of the Detroit Lions players and staff were caught in a gambling scandal. ESPN has the following article by Eric Woodyard. Four Lions players including 2022 first-round pick Jamison Williams, were among five players league-wide to be suspended for violating the NFL's gambling policy after an investigation by the league. Lions wide receiver Quintez Cephas and safety C.J. Moore have been suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games, as was Washington Commanders defensive end Shaka Tony. They can reapply for reinstatement after one year, although Detroit announced that its two players have been released. By the way, that's what you should do. Second-year wide receiver Williams and Stanley Berryhill are being suspended for six games each for mobile betting that occurred at the Lions' Allen Park facility. They did not bet on NFL games, which is part of why the suspension is not year-long, you know, indefinitely, and also why they were not released. The NFL noted in its announcement that it uncovered no evidence indicating any inside information was used or that any game was compromised by the players' betting. The Lions became aware of the NFL's investigation about a month ago before the league reached a final decision. Here's where things got very intriguing, because I started noticing today that several of the Lions staff members were dismissed last month for violating its gambling policy, but that was about as far as we knew that it had gone. The policy that is being discussed here is that you're not allowed to gamble on an NFL site, and what I mean is on at an NFL facility or in anything that is related to the NFL, a, a team bus, a team plane, uh, I don't know, maybe a team jersey that you're wearing. I don't know what the rules are in, in regards to that, but I know you're not allowed to be involved in gambling. But on your own time, man, you can do whatever you want. The only reason Jamison Williams and the other player are suspended is because they did do gambling at an NFL facility. It had nothing to do with that they were gambling. So let's make this make sense for a second. You can gamble, just not on your own sport, in your own, you know, league. Andrew Brandt tweeted this, Yes, to some it doesn't make sense, but the NFL has embraced sports betting. We fans are inundated by it every broadcast, and yet players can't bet. They have agreed to that. It's that simple. Will Brinson tweeted, NFL owners are installing sports books inside NFL stadiums, but NFL players can't bet on college football games from those stadiums. Seems fair. Here's my argument today before we get into the top 10 of the draft network and then my top 10. Either all of it should be okay or none of it should be okay. Now, you know that I don't agree with gambling. I said that at the beginning of this podcast. I don't agree with it. But either you should be allowed to gamble on anything, or you shouldn't be allowed to gamble at all. 
And this is the slippery slope. The NFL is about making money. That's all it's ever been about. They don't care about social justice causes. They don't care about activism in the sense of what they try to promote. Yes, they're going to paint their fields a certain way and they're going to say certain things on their jerseys, but they don't really believe in those things. They just want your money. That's all they ever wanted, and it's why sports gambling has been embraced by the NFL. And just so that we're clear, just to be consistent, someone might say, well, that's it. That's the last straw. I can't watch anymore. Why was it okay when they were just a bunch of potential wife beaters and alcoholics? Why is it okay for the stadium to have alcohol sold, which definitely impairs its, you know, attendees? Why was that okay? We need to make sure that we're consistent. We need to make sure that we're firm but fair. But I'm going to say this, and I'm not going to apologize for it. The NFL is wrong for this. And not wrong in the scriptural sense, but wrong because it's, it's, it's illogical to say that the fans coming into the game can, can play and gamble and do other things. But the players are not allowed to gamble on another league. I understand why they can't do it for the NFL. I get that. They can influence the game directly. But how can you influence a college basketball game or a college football game? You know what needs to happen, though, just so I'm clear on this and make sure that it's done? They need to do away with all gambling. Don't have it anymore. Get rid of it. It doesn't need to be a part of the league. Gambling does not make watching a football game more fun. If anything, it makes it more stressful. It doesn't add to the experience in any way, shape, or form. Now, let's get to football. The Draft Network's top ten prospects are not bad. There's only two that I would like to take off. I don't agree with their ordering of them all, but we're going to get to that. Number ten for TDN is offensive tackle Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones. I like Broderick Jones, but I think he's too low. We'll get to that in a little bit as to why I think that and where he belongs on my list, but my number 10 is not an offensive tackle, but it's another player that I think will surprise you. It's Hendon Hooker. I'm hearing more and more clamoring, more and more rumor mill that Hendon Hooker is rising up the draft boards. I could be dead wrong on this, but that's what I'm hearing. And so I put Hendon Hooker at 10 because I believe that Hendon Hooker, had it not been for his knee injury, there would be a genuine argument to make that he'd belong at number one. I'll let the ACL drop him down, what, nine spots? So Broderick Jones is not number 10 on my list. He's higher. Number nine on TDN's list is C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. I saw a report today that the Colts are worried um, that somehow C.J. Stroud is going to fall to them. They would rather a team trade up because they're that in love with Will Levis, but they know that if they have C.J. Stroud on the board and Will Levis, you can't not take C.J. Stroud. 
I think C.J. Stroud is too low, again, on this list. And so my number nine player is actually cornerback Christian Gonzalez. I think they have uh, a lot of cornerbacks in this draft that can be talked about. He's the only one that made my list. Top ten, at least. Only one that made my list. Christian Gonzalez has something special. I think he's going to be a shutdown corner in this league. And if he goes to the right fit, I think you're going to talk about a potential Super Bowl contending team simply because of the draft pick of Christian Gonzalez. Number eight, Devin Witherspoon. I do not understand the love for Devin Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon concerns me. He concerns me. He doesn't make my list. He doesn't make my list at all. Instead, I'm going to place Broderick Jones here. I think you're going to see a potential run on tackles. Those are the kind of the, the rumors and the things that are trending that way. I think there's going to be a really genuine argument to be made that there may not be any top five tackles left in round two. I think you're going to be able to, to say that maybe Darnell Wright and Anton Harrison might, might, might be the only tackles in the top five that will be there in the second round. But there is such a scenario, such a scenario, in my mind especially, where they're gone before pick 30. Devin Witherspoon, you're not on my list. Broderick Jones is. Number seven, Miles Murphy. I like Miles Murphy a lot. And I, I think that Murphy is a guy that is going to end up in a good situation. But when we first started doing this podcast, Murphy was high on everybody's list. Every mock draft I read, every article, every rumor, every podcast, every sports show, Miles Murphy, Miles Murphy, Miles Murphy. Currently, TDN is the only site that I have seen. Now, you could say something and go, you're wrong because I saw it on this. Well, I, I'm not reading everything. But TDN right now has got Miles Murphy the highest I've seen in two weeks. So I'm not putting him on my list at seven. I'm not putting him on my list at all. I'm putting Paris Johnson Jr., offensive tackle, the Ohio State University. Look, at, at their pro day, Dewan Jones didn't even really do anything, if he did anything at all. But at their pro day, after Paris Johnson Jr. was done, there were a couple of teams that took Paris to the other side of the field so that the rest of the pro day workouts could happen, and they continued to work him out even further. They were that impressed by him. I hope that I'm proven right and that the narrative of Peter Skaronsky being the best offensive tackle in this class is crushed and that it's crushed by Paris Johnson Jr. He is absolutely the best tackle in this class, in my opinion. Broderick Jones and Darnell Wright are close second and third. Skaronsky, I think, will end up being a better guard than anything else. Number six for the draft network, Jameer Gibbs. Um, yeah, I... Um, I don't get the love for Jameer Gibbs. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just don't see it. I think he's going to be a spectacular running back. 
but I think he's an Alabama A syndrome. I think if he played for any other school, we're not talking about him being drafted this high. Do I think he's going to be successful in the NFL? I do. Do I think that that means he should be in the top six? No. Better than C.J. Stroud? Better than Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, and Christian Gonzalez? No way. Uh Uh-uh. Sorry, Gibbs. You're going to be a great running back, I think, but you're not making my list. My number six prospect is Jalen Carter. What a fall from grace Jalen Carter has experienced. If you had told somebody in August that in this draft class there was a scenario where Jalen Carter was going to be available for the Pittsburgh Steelers, for the Chicago Bears at 9, for the Philadelphia Eagles at 10, for the Atlanta Falcons at 8, nobody would have believed you. For the Raiders at 7, for that matter, the Lions at 6, nobody would believe you. Do you know what it says that Jalen Carter is not being called the number 3 overall pick? That it's not a guarantee It's not just a foregone conclusion. Do you know what that means? It means Jalen Carter's messed up. He has hurt his draft stock. And so he falls. He's number six on my list. Number five, they had Christian Gonzalez. We mentioned that. I think Christian Gonzalez is great, but I don't think he's better than this player. My number five quarterback is C.J. Stroud. If it weren't for the inconsistent games against Michigan in back-to-back seasons, if it weren't for the weird random moments where it seemed like his brain just kind of, you know, failed him, and he made an uncanny mistake, if it weren't for that, C.J. Stroud would be guaranteed to be the number one pick. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He's got the talent. But it just seems like every now and then there's a mental lapse. It just seems like every now and then he has a moment where he struggles to make it make sense for him. So I have a hard time believing that he is going to be the number one pick currently. I think he would be the best quarterback for Carolina if they'll take care of him. But he is number five on my list. He's up four spots but not the best quarterback in this class. Number four, I agree with TDN. I agree with three of the four. Number four is Bryce Young, quarterback from Alabama. If there were not a problem in the NFL with you being hit all the time, Bryce Young would be a generational talent without any question marks, without any concern We've talked about this. It's been said. I'm beating it into the ground, I know, but bear with me. The important part of all of this is that if Bryce Young goes number one to the Carolina Panthers and they protect him and they take care of him, he will own that division. They have all the tools to do it. The only thing that they don't have, the only thing that they don't have is Christian McCaffrey anymore. Isn't that unfortunate? They used to have Christian McCaffrey, but they traded him away. He's with the San Francisco 49ers now. 
But you know what Carolina did have? They had the draft capital to go up and get Bryce Young, which it appears that's going to be the pick. He is my number four prospect. Number three was Jalen Carter. I, I'm sorry. He fell three spots for me to six, so he's not my number three. My number three is Tyree Wilson. What what concern do you have about Tyree Wilson? If you watched him in college, you should be more and more in love with the ability that he's going to have to play at a high level in the National Football League. If you didn't watch him in college, you at least know Tyree Wilson has moved up on everybody's board. He's doing so well. Other than TDN, they didn't even have him listed. But he's doing so well that many are now projecting him to go to the Cardinals at three instead of Jalen Carter. I mean, you don't make this stuff. You can't make it up. Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter should be the unequivocal best defensive player in this draft. And he's not because he couldn't get out of his own way. And so somebody benefits when a man can't get out of his own way, and it's usually your competition. Tyree Wilson might have a bigger paycheck hitting his bank account thanks to Jalen Carter's foolishness. Tyree Wilson's my number three player. I debated about this for for quite a while, and I had it written a certain way on my list. but I'm just going to change it last minute. My number two prospect in this class is Will Anderson Jr. Another defensive player, you have no qualms. If you need a defensive linebacker, you know, if you need an outside linebacker, you can take, uh, not Jalen Carter, you can take Will Anderson Jr. and not blink. You don't even have to think. You could literally pick up a pen and your hand will just write his name down. It's that easy. The only thing that makes me concerned is there were some issues last year when he was being tripled and doubled at times where he didn't seem to find a way to break through. Monica, you checked me on that. I know I could be wrong, but I think he needs to go to a really good situation in part to be successful because one thing we've seen with Micah Parsons, Parsons comes out in his rookie year and nobody believes that he is as good as he actually ended up being. And so nobody really doubled and tripled him as much, and he had a ton of sacks. And then last year it was the same thing. He was having a really good season, and then everybody just decided, you know what we can do? We can just triple him and keep him from ever doing anything. And so that's what they did. And Michael Parsons fell off the face of the earth at that point. That could be Will Anderson's story, which is why I have him at number two. Which means my number one prospect... Yeah, I'm biased, sue me. I watched this guy play three years ago for the first time and said, he's amazing. Might be the best running back I've ever seen. It is B. John Robinson from Texas. Put some respect on his name. B. John. This is a running back that you and I are going to look back on, depending on where he ends up, and say, how did he get to that team? You know what I heard? Come close. Let me, let me make sure you hear this. All right, you ready? You ready? 
he visited two teams. During the top 30 visit period of the NFL draft cycle, two, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, some might say, ooh, hmm, that means that nobody really likes him. Quite the opposite, my friends, quite the opposite. Do you know what the anonymity clause, so to speak, is in the National Football League when it comes to the draft? If you don't know what a team is going to do, you can't predict it. There are 30 teams that could have chosen to bring Bijan Robinson in, and they just didn't. Now, some of those teams don't need a running back. Some of those teams won't be able to select Bijan Robinson because he is going to be a first round pick. But am I to believe, genuinely believe, that nobody's going to draft Bijan Robinson until 19? If the Eagles even say, hey, we'll let it wait till 10, he'll be there at 30? No way. Now, I think that I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could potentially be a team that is involved in getting him. But I don't know that at 19 that makes much sense for them. Let me say some teams, though, if you see them trading up, if you see the Los Angeles Chargers trading up from 21, if you see a team like the New York Giants or the Dallas Cowboys um, the Cincinnati Bengals, the Buffalo Bills, the ooh, let's see, the Minnesota Vikings, who are projected to move off of Dalvin Cook. If you see any of those teams somehow make a trade up to eleven with Tennessee, it's for Bijan Robinson. He's just that good. He is the best running back I've ever seen, and I said that Jonathan Taylor was going to be the best running back in his class. I said that I wasn't sold on Najee Harris, and I love him dearly, but I'm not sold on him, yet he hasn't proven that he can be that guy like Derrick Henry is. I know running backs. I can promise you that. I've made some misses over the years, but who hasn't? But the hits far outweigh the misses right now. And I'm telling you, when I watch Bijan Robinson, I'm seeing a Christian McCaffrey 2.0. I'm seeing a guy that can literally do all of it. And what NFL GM wouldn't want that? My top 10 go as follows Bijan Robinson at number one, Will Anderson Jr. at number two, Tyree Wilson at number three, Bryce Young at number four, CJ Stroud at number five, Jalen Carter at number six, Paris Johnson Jr. at seven, Broderick Jones at eight, Christian Gonzalez at nine, and Hendon Hooker at 10. Guys, we are less than a week away from the draft being over. Let's strap in and get ready. Till then, take care.